Merry Christmas and welcome back to Fanpick Fanfix. This fanfic is not a Christmas episode. I'm just releasing this episode on Christmas. Um, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Today's fic is going to be from a series of fics called The Announcer AU by Rogue Vector on Archive of Our Own. It began on October 27th, 2021, and it was last updated as of recording this episode today, December 12th, 2021. The total words for this equal the length of the novel, 51,092 words. It has three different works so far and 487 bookmarks. It honestly deserves them all and more. The basic idea of this AU is that Izuku managed to get tickets to the sports festival when he is in his last year of middle school and he gets lost. So he ends up in the announcer booth with Mike and Aizawa and it is so cute. It's kind of crack treated seriously, but not 100%. It becomes mentor Aizawa, mentor Hizashi, mentor Hawks. Honestly, just give the kid all the mentors, all of them, all of them at once. Give him all the mentors and dads. This fic is amazing. It has hilarity, but then it's also serious. It's it's just that good combo. Plus, it's quirkless Izuku. It gives his analysis a chance to shine, gives him a chance to prove himself, but it still has bullying, things like that, so you see the darker side of hero society, things like that. It is really fun, and I really enjoy the series. I'm reading every update religiously. So, I hope you enjoy, and let's get into it. Alright, the first story in The Announcer at You is Sports Festival Lost and Found by Rogue Vector. It is 30,000 516 words, 12 chapters. The first section of this is complete. The first story is, but it is a multiple series work that is ongoing. So let's start off with Sports Festival Lost and Found. Summary. 14-year-old Izuku gets lost at the UA Sports Festival. Luckily, pro heroine Midnight knows where he can wait until his parents can come collect him. The announcer's booth with her best pals eraser head and present mic. Chaos ensues. Chapter one. Lost and found. Mom! Mom! Izuku was lost. Worse still, he was lost at the UA Sports Festival. He was going to miss out on the second half of the event. The boy was about ready to burst into tears from the frustration. After all the effort his mom and dad had gone through to get him a ticket, his phone had run flat about an hour in since he'd forgotten to charge it last night looking at all previous year's footage and spent most of the first half recording videos with it. Stupid. He tried to reach a lost and found he had seen earlier, but the rush of the crowd trying to re-enter the stadium after the first two events had only pushed him further away from the potential help and into a section of the stadium that he didn't even recognize. Not to mention somewhere in all that, someone had spilled their drink on his clothes. What a pathetic sight he must have been. Stupid, stupid, useless Deku. He could only imagine Kachan pointing and laughing at him. On the verge of tearing his hair out, Izuku looked around the nearly featureless hallways as he strained his ears for voices 
or to come across a sign of a map or something. Thankfully, it was in this moment someone found him. Hey, what are you doing here, sweetie? His head whipped around and he almost froze in place. The voice was female and soft, but behind those honeyed words carried the weight of authority. Though not any menace, ten years as quirkless Deku had made him able to pick that out too easily. When he turned around, his eyes widened and he relaxed, if only a little as he recognized the owner of the voice by the hero costume she was in. You're the rated 18 hero midnight, he managed to stammer out. The hero and grinned and struck a pose that made Azuka's cheeks feel hot. Yes, and you are our married trespasser from the looks of it. Oh, Izuku immediately started falling. I- I'm sorry, I got lost and the crowd pushed me in here and- The greenette launched into his explanation at top speed, gesturing wildly as the poor hero paused and felt a little guilty. His innocence was apparent. In more ways than- No! Bad memory! As was his distress. The pro hero went and walked over and crouched down in front of him, bringing both parties eye to eye. Shh, it's okay, sweetie. I'm not mad at you. Do you get separated from your parents? Yeah, yeah, my mom is sitting in section E. My phone ran out of batteries, so I, I couldn't call her, and... Aw, sounds like you had a rough time, young man. Midnight pouted sympathetically, and her smile turned sultry for a moment before the heroine made an effort to bite her tongue. Nope, not gonna do that. There was 12-year-old, 13... She instead winked, and Izuku flushed an even deeper chrisman. The heroine laughed not unkindly as she stood up and pointed further down the corridor. I have some friends, other heroes, waiting down that way. I'll leave you with them for now, because I'm due to announce the next event. And then, during the next break, they'll make sure you reunite with your parents, okay? Thank you, Miss Midnight. The boy smiled, bright and brilliant and blinding. Then he stopped for a moment before considering and looking up with her her with a determination that she could scarcely believe had been in him all this time. Uh, if you don't mind, Uzuku offered up his notebook, open to a fresh page along with a marker pen. Namura smiled, accepting the notebook and pen. Well, anything for a fan, she winked at him before accepting both the notebook and pen from him. So, what's your name, kid? Izuku, Miss Midnight. Midoriya Izuku. Well, Izuku, I hope to see you at EUA soon, perhaps in one of my art history classes. Midnight smiled, and it was only a long practice that kept her poker face up as she saw the boy try to hide the little crack in his smile. Much like someone who had heard a branch break underfoot, the pro heroine kept her expression carefully pleasant. She finished signing and puckered her lips before briefly kissing the paper and leaving a prominent lipstick mark just underneath the signature. It got the effect she wanted, the crack in his smile and any nervousness evaporated in teenage mortification. Midnight laughed and handed the notebook back before flashing a reassuring smile. Oh, you poor thing. Come on, Midoriya-kun. I'll drop you off with some other pros that can keep an eye on you until we get a hold of your parents, okay? The boy's smile shone so bright that she swore that she was going to need sunglasses. Meanwhile... That was quite the fall you had there, young lady. Recovery Girl's smile showed a strained worry that reflected the greenette's own as she finished checking over the adult's ankle. Well, nothing serious. It did mean that Inka was going to be on bed rest the rest of the afternoon, surrounded by chattering hero students who were already starting to organize a betting pool on who would win the next event. Gambling is still illegal, kids, Chio barked, waving her cane menacingly. 
Thankfully, the initial rush of injuries and boo-boos from the sports hustle so far had calmed to a trickle, and within the next events being one-on-one dueling, Chiu had enough resources to spare for an, out- for an injured guest. It wouldn't do for the heroic academy like UA to just let one of their guests hobble around on a sprained ankle, was it? The woman who had fallen down the stairs in the post-lunch rush wrung her hands. Yes, I'm so sorry for the trouble. I was just trying to find my son, you see? He was turned up at the Lost and Found station. I haven't been able to reach him on my cell phone, and... Don't worry, I've already sent the mess out. Edge out to the rest of the heroes running security at Sports Vessel today, Chiu reassured the mother, handing the tearful lady another glass of water and setting a box of tissues on the bedside table. They'll report back to me as soon as they find your son. Our campus security isn't anything to sneeze at either, so we'll track him down soon enough. Thank you. I'm just afraid. Chiyo smiled reassuringly. Your son will be fine, Midoriya-san. You'll be seeing each other before you even know it. And, like someone had been listening for a cue, the TV had had installed in the infirmary snapped to the announcer's booth. Present Mike's voice boomed over the television speakers as the camera zoomed in. Welcome back to the second half of the UA Sports Festival, ladies, gentlemen, and that lovely rainbow in between and beyond. Hope you had something to eat and drink. Keep that hype level up. Because here's the third event. There, center camera, two teachers, and a familiar-looking tangle of green hair sat at the announcer's table, practically vibrating in his seat from sheer excitement. Chio blinked. Speak of the devil, an adorable devil that was practically glowing as the racer had leaned slightly away from the booming mic. And he shall appear. Midoriya-san, I'm going to take a wild shot and guess that's your son. There was a ding as her cell phone got a notification on the local here net. Death arms. I think I found your missing child. Snipe. You think? Chapter 2. Meet your heroes. Summary. Izuka meets more of his heroes. Ten minutes earlier. Shota didn't flinch as the door behind him was thrown open and Midnight came strutting into the room like she owned the damn place. He did, however, decide to look up and level his fourth best glare at the pro heroine as she carefully tossed a jelly packet at his head. Catching it, the underground hero checked the flavor, mango, before deciding Midnight could live for another week for her offering. As she loudly exchanged greetings with the man who had hours, perhaps even minutes, left before Shota was ready to murder him, the erasure hero turned out their rambunctiousness and popped open the seal to the jelly packet. That was around the time when he saw the teenager that had followed her in. I saw immediately knocked three days off the pro heroine's expected lifespan. He looked at the kid's emerald eyes and huffed. Oh, look, a security breach. What are you doing here, kid? As soon as the words left his mouth, he helped the mood in the room shift as Midnight's chattering with Mike came to a screeching halt, her eyes widening as she shot him a look. The kid surprised him more with an expression of utter panic, his body tensing under loose clothes as he looked ready to bolt, but remained rooted to the floor, frozen in fear. His eyes closed and he looked slightly away from Aizawa. These are definitely not good signs. Aizawa, <laughs> you utter joker! Forced laughter was followed by a shortly slam of midnight crashing into him, curling an arm around his neck and squeezing him. Mike was there to make an attempt at a save as he shot a pair of finger guns at the child. Yeah, right, kid. Midnight let you in, didn't she? The kid nervously shuffled his red shoes as he tried to fight for words. Yes, he did. Midnight filled in for him and bopped Aizawa on the head. Poor kid got lost. I brought him here. Aizawa-kun here 
shouldn't make assumptions because that'd be irrational, right? But I don't belong here. He's right, the boy offered, confused. Aizawa nodded. Midnight invited you, kid. It's okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. It'd take more than a little kid to rattle pro heroes, right? Come on, Green Bean, you can relax here till we get a hold of your parents. Mike's voice grew a little quieter and a lot more serious as he dropped his hands to his knees and leaned forward, offering a soft smile. You're safe here, okay? I promise you that as a hero. The Greenette nodded as though he didn't offer much in the way of reassuring science. Right. Cautious. Hmm. How to make up for that? Azal glanced off to one side before reaching towards the nearby chair. Why don't you come take a seat? The words surprised him as he pulled out one of the chairs at the announcer's table, dragged it to a spot between himself and Mike, and turned it around in an open offer to the nervous child. Apparently, it surprised Mike at midnight, too, given how they looked at him. He arched an eyebrow at them, daring them to try to countermand him. Neither did. In fact, Hisashi was the one that spoke up first, and it was in support. Well, I've got no problems with having the little snur around, Mike announced, grinning and sticking up a pair of thumbs. Come here and take the seat, kid. And why don't you tell your, me your parents' phone number? We'll get them to come pick you up. Sounds like a plan, Midnight giggled, sweeping up Mike into a quick hug before strutting back towards the door. Well, you boys get along now. I'm going to run off and do my job. Say hi to some Mentos for us, Hizashi called after retreating Midnight, before swinging around and around and then ending up sitting beside the nervous Greenette. Shota left the kid wrangling to his sashi as he turned back around and started organizing his notes. Tell us your name, too. I'm Aizawa, he's Yamada, but I'm guessing you know him as President Mike. Ah, uh, yes, I do, Eraserhead, sir. That got Aizawa to blink, even as Mike's smile widened a little bit more as he crackled mischievously. Mischievously. Are you sure that's a Eraserhead, kid? Oh, is he not? I was sure. Not a lot of heroes use anything like that capture scarf as a support weapon, and only a racer head is known to have a scarf like that, and operated in the region. His eyes also flashed red, which I heard in the forum was one of his trademark quirk tells, and since he introduced himself as Aizawa, that meant he didn't want to introduce himself by his pro hero name, and a racer head is a pro hero who is notorious for protecting his privacy, and since he's the only ground heroes in UA, that means that... The boy's ramble suddenly stalled, his eyes widening. Oh, you didn't... Want to tell me you were Eraserhead because of your privacy? Uh, I'm really sorry, Eraser. No, uh, as I was saying. Oh no, as I was saying. Mike dissolved into amused cackling as Aizawa pinched the bridge of his nose. That set off the Greenette's apologies into high gear, and as his face slowly reddened from the embarrassment, Aizawa couldn't help but feel like he shared some of it. Before he could open his mouth, though, Mike waved his arm frantically as he tried to take control of the conversation and forestall any further self-ligation by the kid. Ah, uh, look, kid. Uh. What's your name again? I can't keep calling you, kid. We've had a whole conversation. I I'm Mizori Azuku. Please take care of me. The kid's bow was formal and a little stiff, but at least he was talking. Good old social conversations being the fallback of all fallbacks. Aizawa and Mike bowed back. Aizawa Shota, pro hero eraser head. Pleased to meet you. I'm impressed at your deductions. Aizawa returned formally, although his capture scarf was hiding an amused smile. If only half the kids in my class were that observant. Ooh, that's a pretty high compliment coming from a racer in, laughed Hisashi. Hisashi Yamada, the voice hero, present Mike. Midoriya perked up. Hisashi? Hey, my dad's name is Hisashi. 
that immediately distracted Hisashi. Oh, really? Cool. Can I meet him? I haven't met a name buddy in so long. Ah, uh, no, I'm sorry. He's in Europe right now. Only my mom is here. Aw. Mike didn't sound too defeated, though, as he started opening and closing drawers, rummaging through them as he tried to find something. Speaking of parents, though, hey, little listener, what kind of phone do you have? We've got some charging cables in the drawer here, so... Aizawa tuned out the following shenanigans as he went to his phone to check the time. Uh-oh. Heads up, Izashi. They're going to start the next event in 20 seconds. Phone call will have to wait. Right, hey, I found a bunch of chargers in here. Why don't you find one that fits your phone, Midori-kun? Ah, thank you. Midori reached into his pockets and pulled out a dinged older phone. Oh, cool, I used to have that same model. Mike, focus. Hissing at him like we were sitting next to each other in class 1B again and he could almost see the punishment lapse about to be dished out. We're live in five seconds. Mike let out a quick hiss of disappointment and nodded. Okay, okay, gee, Azawa, just wants to get shaking, kid. He sucked in a deep breath as Suzuku watched on, hands clenched, waiting, his seat rattling. Aizawa hit a smirk as he pointed out the broadcast button. I think Mike wants you to press that button for Midori-kun. Izuku grinned, reaching over and did right before Mike belted out a greeting at near full volume. Meanwhile, in suburban Mustafu. Wait, what the hell is Deku doing there? Chapter 3. Oh, dot dot dot. All right, folks, thanks for the warm welcome back for our competitors this afternoon. Now, who's ready to find out what we've got lined up for our second years? The crowd roared, excitement cackling through the air, the windows of the announcer booth rattling as the audience cheered and hollered. For the third and final challenge, we've got one-on-one battles! As Shota sat back and let Mike go over the rules of how the elimination tournament would go and then go on the drawing of initial pairings, he finished his jelly packet and, huh, watermelon? As I'll examine the packaging, yes, it was mango. So why could he smell watermelon? He wasn't having a stroke, was he? Wasn't that burning toast? Why was it specifically burnt toast? The racer had sniffled the air, cocking his head first one way and then towards the other, turning towards the green-haired guest. Hey, kid. Do you smell watermelon? Oh, uh, oh, that's me, he admitted shamefully. I bumped into a man and he spilled his drink on me when I got lost in the rush to get back to the stadium. It was watermelon flavored. Sorry. Aizawa nodded and made a dismissive gesture towards a mango-flavored packet of jelly he had just finished. No, I was just wondering why. I smelled something other than mango. You look like you're soaked. The kid flushed red again and ducked his head like he was ashamed. Uh, no, I'm fine. He said irrationally. Aizawa let out a breath as if he knew this was coming. Why did he always get the problem, children? Kid, you might be fine now, but that juice is going to start to dry and leave you a sticky mess. Get him now. Go over to this cupboard at the back there and grab some spare clothes. We have them on hand for when students get their uniforms damaged or destroyed during exercises. Midoriya nodded and walked over to the cupboards in question. Aizawa turned his attention back towards Mike. First drawn was Amjiki Tamaki, who... Mike had dubbed the consuming chimera. He then got up to fight against the one-man shield wall, barrier quirk user, and defensive specialist Tate Mamoru. The swirling energy blaster Haruo Nejere was drawn up next, although he had missed she was facing off against as he heard an astonished squeak from behind him. Mike, the showman, didn't break his stride, but glanced at Aizawa, who nodded and turned around to see what was going on. This kid was turning into a distraction, being a bundle of nerves as he was. 
What's the matter? Nothing fit? Uh, no, I found some that did, but I can't wear them. These are UA gym uniforms, not to mention they're the fourth revision type that only came out last year, so these must be new too. I mean, I'm not even a student here. I don't deserve to wear these, not to mention these uniforms are so expensive as what- As I fixed him with a stare. Medoria, we had several giant robots get blown up in the second round. Each of these- cost you a upwards of 5 million yen in raw materials and off-the-shelf components alone. Both rounds resulted in several students needing new sets of gym uniforms anyway, not to mention how they get damaged over the course of a school year. Thinking logically, this means UA's budget is big enough that one more set of clothes isn't even going to be noticed. Am I wrong? Midoriya flushed redder. Had that been possible starting to look more and more like a fuzzy slice of watermelon especially with those freckles on his face no i mean yes you're right but i can't go i can i can just go wash off my shirt and kid i'm telling you now as a ua staff member as a heroics course homeroom teacher that it's okay for you to take this and wear it and that we're happy to give you a set because you're currently soaked in fruit juice it would be pretty unheroic of me as a hero, as a teacher, and as a representative of UA to not try to not try and make you comfortable when you're a guest here on campus. But I'm the boy looked pinched for a moment before relenting, bowing and promising. I'll make sure to return them later. Problem child, this won't give up, Willie. Aizawa found himself closing his eyes and counting to five as he conceded the point. Please just go and get changed. There's a locker room just down the hall to your left. You can get cleaned up and changed there, okay? The boy hesitated one more time. It, if you're sure. Yes, I am. Now please go before we miss the first match. Eraserhead didn't quite let wrote a sigh of relief when the kid finally snatched a medium-sized uniform set and all but sprinted out of the booth into the hall. As if to punctuate this, Mike announced the last pairing of the finals. Miro Tagata, the strongman streaker of Class 2A, and his opponent 2B's recommended student with the line-of-sight teleportation quirk, Mr. Don't Blink and You'll Miss Him, Takibaba. For now, Aizawa's resolved to keep those observations to himself until after the sports festival. Then, Eraserhead would do some digging into what made the boy flinch and stutter so much. He trudged back over to the seats, sitting down. No, he swapped the seat, Midoriya, that had been sitting in for a fresh one that didn't have juice on it. And then he sat down. Mike leaned over, grinning as he did so. So, little listener, okay? A little too nervous about wearing a uniform when he wasn't a student. Didn't feel like he deserved it. Well, he'll get the chance to earn one soon enough, right? He's what? Thirteen? I didn't ask. Maybe you can ask him when he gets back. Ah, I'm fourteen, present Mike's son. Oh, welcome back, little listener. And the boy Midori was back, looking at a space, showed us willing to put money on the fact that the boy had either experienced a religious experience on his return trip from the bathroom, or his attitude towards the uniform had done a complete 180 turn, and his parents were either going to have to drag him out of that gym uniform, or force to frame it on the wall. Probably both. Ah, the power of fanboyism. Looks good on you, kiddo. Can't wait to see you wearing the uniform next year. Mike shot a pair of finger guns at the boy, and for a moment I was always afraid his friend had spontaneously manifested a gun finger's quirk because it looked like the boy had been shot. 
Fortunately, that wasn't the case, and the boy instead ducked his head and shuffled forward back to his seat. So, since you're gone, here's the matchup for the next events. We're going to right, left to right on the tournament chart here. Oh, I missed the drawings for that, Midoriya chirped. Mike turned to erase her end. Well, first up is rather than shy guys. So, Sun Eater and Shield Wall. Yep! Mike popped the pea, grinning as he did. This'll be interesting. They have such contrasting quirks. Especially since Amajiki-san's quirk is all based around food, came the reply as Midoriya leaned forward on top of the chart, looking it over, and... Where did that notebook come from? Since we just come back from lunch break, that means he's going to be as powerful as he gets, depending on what he ate and how quickly he can assess biological components to be manifested. Does it work on DNA? If so, I wonder how much DNA material he needs before he can manifest something as part of his quirk. Would eating raw food make it more effective? Food for thought. Which makes me wonder what he's decided on doing compared to Tate-san's more consistent quirk. I've heard you mention that he stockpiles material from what he eats as well, as well as his own energy reserves shape the steel when he manifests it, so both have quite similar energy reserve limitations. Hizashi grinned. Care to tell us more about your predictions here, little listener? You seem to have a lot of thoughts about Amajiki-kun's quirk. Well, Amajiki-san's quirk manifests showed a huge versatility in an earlier round. Using the wings and hind legs of a chicken gave him excellent mobility during the relay race event, not to mention the use of oyster shells as a defensive shield and his octopus arms as a way to make tight corners. And this isn't just a powerful quirk. Amajiki-san would have had to plan ahead these manifestations to have these manifestations in stock either during breakfast or dinner the night before, assuming the body's or nutrition cycle works about the same as baseline humans. That shows a lot of foresight and both practice and experimentation to have settled in on these particular animals in his diet and arsenal. As I glanced at Mike, pointing at the control panel, but Mike grinned and waggled his eyebrows as he egged on the student. What about our other competitor, Tate Mamoru? His quirk seems to have a little skewed to the offensive, don't you think? Tate's shield wall quirk may seem to favor the defensive on the surface, but that doesn't discount him in the offensive category either. After all, getting hit in the face by a shield is just as bad as being punched, especially if he takes the edge like many arm manuals did in the ancient and medieval era, which he clearly has studied as we've seen the past few hours. Not to mention he's shown the ability to adapt types of shield constructs, and he manifests the type attack he's going to block. As we all saw during the obstacle course, the ability to throw them as a medium-range offensive weapon, something on Michiki-san, hasn't got many of. We've also seen him make great use of slanted armor during the relay race to deflect Hado-san's energy blast, rather than trying to tank them head-on, which means he's able to use his shield with as much slang creativity as Amajiki-san's arsenal. Not to mention the materials he manifests seem to resemble metals, which are difficult to break through when your baseline options are mostly based on animal biology. Not impossible, though. So, you think he's pretty evenly matched with it against Amajiki-kun? In a way, they're quite a contrast between a versatile quirk and a specialized one, which is better to have in this fight. Both are being used by such talented students, so it's quite an even matchup. Mike's eyes gleamed as he bounced off Midoriya's words. Ooh, I like your thoughts there, Midoriya-kun, but I'm still curious. If you had to pick one winner, who would it be? Midoriya shone. I wouldn't know. They're both amazing quirks with clever heroes using them. It all comes down to who can work out an effective plan first, or just plush ultra their way to victory. Aizawa felt his hand clutch the bottle of eye drops as Midoriya's smile blossomed across his face. Gods, it was look like looking at the sun. It took a moment for the boy to realize something, though. Hey, why is the stadium so quiet? Uh, there was the first shoe. Well, little listener... I think you've been leaning on the broadcast button. Mike coughed. That was a great analysis, though. I couldn't have done better myself. Izuku's face went pale as suddenly, just as suddenly very red as the other shoe dropped. Oh. 
went too far west at Ratgon. Where have you been hiding this kid? Can I get dibs on sending him an internship? From Gang Orca at gangorcaagency.hero.japan to principal at yuheyeroics.hero.japan. Subject line empty. Nizu, I, as I am currently on patrol, I will keep this brief. I would like to extend an offer and internship to the student currently in the announcer's booth. Please expect a more formal and complete email to follow. Apologies for the keyboard smash. Official At Official Hero Net, one minute ago. Who's the new kid on the block? Find out what we know about the UA Second Year Sports Festival Unexpected Dark Horse here. Midnighty, at Rat God, can I keep him? From Sir at NightEyeAgency.Hero.Japan. To principal at uaheroics.hero.japan. Subject line, offer of internship from the Night Eye Agency. Principal Nezu, that student currently talking with President Mike is showing some potential with analysis and investigation. He does also appear to have difficulty handling a crowd which speaks some public speaking difficulty, though I hope President Mike will continue to guide him in this matter. I'd like to offer him an internship if you would be so kind as to tell him, and also I'd like to request you exempt me from the usual one hero, one intern rule. If not, Bubble Girl has an express interest in taking out our first intern, and I believe they will be well suited to each other as they both have similar analysis specialization. Kind regards, Sir Nede. Hero Watch at Hero Watch Official. Two minutes ago. Gang Orca arrests two villains while trying to keep his phone. Hashtag unsmashed. Hero Tube Link. Content warning. Contains juggling and swearing. Aizawa Shoda. At Rat God. Miss Joke just sent me an internship request, and I think I'm trying to pull her leg when I told her that Midoriya was a spectator that got lost. She'll be sending you an internship request directly to you, so ignore it and tell her to believe me. Aizawa Shoda. I just realized you're probably not going to listen to me, so this is a preemptive. I told you so for when this blows up in our faces and everyone is trying to request an internship for a middle schooler. Can you see why I love this fic? Also, I love it so much I just couldn't stop reading. So you got three chapters instead of the usual one. So have fun with that. Merry Christmas. Um, this author is genuinely fantastic, and I really, really enjoy where their story is going, especially in later developments and the currently updating fic. It's just so good. It's just so good, man. Please read this fic and give the author some love. They they deserve it. They They are doing a heck of a job. They are doing amazing. All right. I hope you all have a fantastic day and enjoy reading.